And today we're going to talk about four days too late. Four days too late. And throughout this entire season, or series rather, we've been encouraging and challenging every one of you to develop an active prayer life with God, to begin to pray, to begin to believe God, to do the miraculous, to begin to believe that God's going to hear your prayer. A lot of people think, well, why should God listen to me? Because He loves you. Because he wants to bless you. God's blessings are so available. In fact, God wants to bless us, I think, many times more than we want the blessings of God. That's how awesome God is. He wants to bless us. Someone used this analogy. You know, at Christmas time when you were a kid, what did you always want to do? You wanted to open your gifts before Christmas. You couldn't wait till Christmas, but what would your mum and dad say? No, you have to wait, you have to wait. Someone used this analogy that God is the person that's saying, no, open the gift early because I can't wait. That's the God that we serve, a God that is so full of joy for what he's given us and is available to us that he wants us to hurry up and open it and be a part of it. And the reason we can talk about prayer, the reason we can talk about answers to prayer is because there's an empty tomb. Because he is not there, but he lives. And because he lives, you and I can live. And that's why we're talking about this subject of prayer, because we want you to tap into the life supply that God has for your life. And one of those ways is through prayer. If you've missed any of these messages, I encourage you, there's order forms on the table in the lobby area. Order the CDs. Go online to the website. Listen via podcast. Upload them. Download them. Whatever you want to do, listen to them. Every one of the messages is on the website and you can direct people there. So go on the website. So last week we talked about having faith in our prayer life. And this week, I want to take it, maybe one thought, a step forward. And and I want to take that thought one more step forward to encourage you not only to have faith in your prayer life, but to be persistent with your prayer life. Even when it seems like he's four days too late. I want us to keep having hope when it seems that all hope is gone. I want us to remain in a state of trust towards God and not allow the frustrations of unanswered prayers to silence our request. How many knows that frustrations can quickly come in when we pray and we believe for something to happen and it doesn't appear like anything changes? That everything still remains the same. 
Well, we're going to be talking about that today because just because we don't see it does not mean that God has not promised it. Come on, let me say that one more time. Miss Emma got it and no one else did. Just because we don't see it right now happening all around us does not mean that he has not promised it. And the Bible tells us that all his promises are yes and amen. What does that mean? He will come true through every promise that he has. Promises that are yours, promises are mine. So we're going to look at how we don't get offended in our prayer life. Someone once said this of prayer, and I thought, what a great analogy it is. Look, prayer is a habit to be cultivated. It's a discipline to be developed, and it's a skill to be practiced. In other words, prayer is something that takes work. It takes commitment. It takes us doing something. You can't pray without praying. I know that sounds really strange, but you can't pray without praying. How many of you have said to people, well, I'll pray for you and you don't? Well, I'll say a prayer for you. Can I give you a little insight to that or a little help? If someone comes up to you and says they're having surgery on Thursday, what we'd like to say is, well, I'll pray for you. And we often forget the best thing you can do is, can I pray for you right now? And take that prayer on right there and then. And then you're not making yourself a liar because you've prayed for them. And you're believing. But it's a habit to be cultivated. It's a discipline to be developed. It's a skill that must be practiced. For us to be persistent in our prayer life, we've got to keep on going even when things don't appear to be happening. There's a parable that Jesus gives in the Scriptures that he uses in regards to persistent prayer. We're just going to read this parable really quickly. It comes from Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 through 5. And it says this, Then he spoke, Jesus spoke to them a parable. A parable is a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. Other way around. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Just checking on you. My dyslexia kicked in right there. So it's an earthly story that has heavenly implications. So he spoke a parable to them that men ought always how to pray. And guess what? He says, here's how you should pray. Don't lose heart. Pray and don't lose heart. Saying there was a certain, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not, speaking of the judge, for a while. But afterwards the judge said within himself, though I do not fear God, neither do I have any regard or respect for man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. I will give her what she needs. Why? Lest by her continually coming, she's going to wear me out, is what the judge says. I'm going to give her what she needs. Why? Because of her continuation, because of her persistence, because of her willingness not to let it go, but to keep coming. She would not take no for an answer, but she kept, 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 kept 
believing, asking, asking and asking. And guess what? She got what she needed. She got what she needed. And it's very interesting if you would even look at the story. She got what she needed from a judge who didn't fear God and he had no regard for man. So she got it from the worst of the worst person, pretty much an image of someone who is not godly, someone who doesn't care about people, but the confidence we have is our judge isn't like that. Come on, we have a high priest who is moved with compassion towards us. So Jesus is showing, if I can turn the heart of someone like that, Jesus is saying, nothing is impossible if you'll just pray. If you'll just believe me. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what she asks for. The Bible doesn't tell us what her need is. And it could have been a number of things. Perhaps it was something financial that someone had ripped her off and and she couldn't wait to the court date because money was due. We don't know. It could have been something personally in her life. Someone could have stolen something from her, taken something from her, abused her. The list could go on and on. It could have been a need in her family. Maybe someone wronged her child or beat them up. Whatever it is, the Bible doesn't tell us the need. But I believe we are not told the need for this reason. Because the need is not the point of the story. But the point of the story is this. She drives him crazy till she gets what she needs. The point of the story is don't give up. Keep believing. Keep trusting. When you knock and the door is not opened, knock again. And this time, knock a little bit louder. Come on, push a little bit deeper. She prayed hard. And when it was hard to pray, she prayed even harder. Are you hearing me in the house today? And look what it says as Jesus always sums up the parables. He always explains what they mean. But look at the last part of his explanation when he tells them in verse 8 of Luke 18. He says, when he comes, when Jesus comes back, he says, will I really find faith on this earth? It's a picture of what he has just seen or been told. About this lady that was so persistent and Jesus said, when I come back, am I going to find that kind of faith? Am I going to find people that have been persistent and pray through? Come on, I want to be a person of faith. Come on, I want to be a person that believes that all things are possible. And if I'm not praying prayers like that, I'm insulting God. I want to live like that. Look at this. We must pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you too. You see, prayer is two-sided. We've got to pray like it depends on God because it does depend on God. But we've also got to work like it also depends upon what we do and what we strive to do in our lives. Because of her faith, because of her holy desperation, The judge granted her her request. And I want you to hear this today. I want you to grab a hold of this today. Look, God isn't just for you in some passive sense. God is for you in the most active sense imaginable. 
He's not sitting back and just saying, I don't care. He's sitting back and said, oh, I care so much. I wish they would just cast their care upon me. I wish they would just release that circumstance so I could come in in such an active way and I can take care of that problem that they have given to me. I love the scripture from Galatians 6 verse 9. This is great, great scripture. And the Bible tells us this. Let us not grow weary while doing Good. For in due season, come on, in his time, we will what? We shall reap if we do not lose heart. The New Living Translation says, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged at the appropriate time. I like what the Message Bible says. The Message Bible says, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up and if we don't quit. But that's the struggle, isn't it? Let's just be honest. That's the struggle. It's a struggle to guard our hearts from the hurts and the letdowns and the disappointments that we see around us. When we pray and we do everything right, And we pray and we do everything right. We make our petition, but yet there's no answer. Come on, that can be a hurt. That can be a disappointment that we can experience in our lives. And the Bible tells us we've got to watch. Because if we quit praying, we're never going to see the harvest. If we quit sowing those seeds, we're never going to see the increase. If we stop praying, that help is never going to come. And what we think is denial many times. It's maybe not God saying no, but maybe it's at times God saying slow. Or God is telling us you need to grow. So it's not always a no. And if it is a no, remember this. No is just as much an answer as yes or any other answer that we could want. But sometimes those denials are not because God is saying no. God is just saying slow. What does that mean? It's not time yet. Just keep trusting me, keep believing me, and at the appointed time, God promises that he'll come through. Maybe God's saying, well, you need to grow, because if I gave that to you right now, if I gave you what you've asked for, you wouldn't be able to sustain that, because you're not ready to receive that. You see, so don't look at the denials as all God's rejection and God's saying no. God can use those times to perfect us, to change us, to build us, to do something inside of us. And I'm telling you, the right time and the right growth are two very important ingredients and parts that we need to have in our lives. And we're going to see that in this story. Here's our featured story for today. Here's the main event. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, or you can follow along on the screen with us today. John 11, verses 1 through 6. Oh, I didn't give you that one. Sorry, Tammy, I messed up. My bad. John 11, verse 1 through 6, and it says this, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, of the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
And when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What we just read is a family that Jesus loved. Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus was a family that Jesus loved. Mary was the one or one of the women. There was two two accounts in the Gospels of people who came and washed and broke something precious. But Mary was one who had come and she broke something precious at the feet of Jesus. She washed his feet with her hair. She loved Jesus. Jesus hung out with them. They were on his email list. Come on, they Instagrammed each other. They kept in touch when they were in town they met at the outback and had a meal together come on they were friends they were buds they hung out together this isn't just anyone coming and saying Jesus my son my daughter my friend is sick this is a dear friend of Jesus and that's why verse 6 becomes so strange because the Bible tells us in John 11 verse 6 that when he heard that his friend Lazarus was sick he stayed two more days. Say with me, two more. Two more days. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. That's strange to me because if I'm hearing that a friend of mine is sick, I'm running to the aid. I'm running to their aid. I'm going to do whatever I can to get there and be a part of whatever needs to take place to help them, to make them comfortable, just to be there as a support around them. But Jesus doesn't rush to the aid of. He doesn't even take his time to get there. Jesus does in the natural nothing. Say with me, nothing. So what's going on? I mean, why? Because everything Jesus does is for a purpose. He doesn't just do things by chance. He does it for a purpose. So why would he not run? Why would he not do what everyone around him expected him to do in that situation? But I want to show you something today from verse 4. John 11, verse 4. Look, when Jesus heard, what? That Lazarus was sick and that he was dying. What did he say? He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You see, the problem was, in the natural, they didn't see him responding, but he just gave them a promise. He just gave them a promise of life. He said, just because physically I'm not going there, can I tell you right now, this death is not going to rule and reign over his body. Come on, but there's going to be a glory that God is going to receive, that God is going to receive some glory through this. So what are you saying? I'm telling you today, but just because he doesn't respond in the way you think he should, doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. Doesn't mean that nothing hasn't been done. He's just given them a promise. That in the moment, they don't get it. You see, we don't get the promises many times when we're in the moment. When we're in the moment of need, we tend to forget the promises. And what do we remember? The fact that God's left us. Come on, is anyone in the house with me? If I, well, I'm living for God, so why God couldn't you? We forget the promises and we focus in on the need. In the moment, we forget the promise that God has given. They don't see it. All they see is what they think is not happening. That God doesn't go, that He doesn't respond. But you and I have got to grab a hold of the promises of God for our lives. 
One day Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to the other side. But in the midst of the sea, they ran into a storm. They feared they would die. The storm was so bad, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. Why was he sleeping? Because he spoke a promise. What was the promise? We're going to the other side. Come on, we're going to make it. That meant that nothing in the middle was going to stop them. Can you see how we've got to start grabbing a hold of the promises of God? And incidentally, there's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. And every one of them's for your life, for your family, and for your future. And we've got to grab a hold of those promises that when we don't see it happening, and it's almost like God's not even moving, we've got to grab a hold. Jesus... It's not saying that Lazarus is not dead. The disciples thought that's what Jesus meant. And I think sometimes Jesus messed with his disciples a little bit, like he messes with us a little bit. Why? Because he's testing our faith. He's testing our ability to believe in him. And he's checking our response, just like he was checking their response to see if they were following it, to see if they get it. I'm going to be the first one to put my hand in the air and say, God, I don't always get it. I want to get it more, but I don't always get it. And sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get disappointed. Sometimes I get frustrated and hurt. Anyone in the house like that with me? Or is your pastor the only heathen in the house? They didn't get it. Look what it says in verse 11. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I will go now and I will what? Wake him up. And then his disciples said unto him, notice this, Lord, if he's sleeping, then he's going to get well. You see, they've got it all figured out now. Oh, now we know why Jesus is not going, because he's not really dead. He's asleep. So if he sleeps, he's going to be well. They think they've figured it all out. And now they know why Jesus didn't run off. Now they, oh, it's so clear now. But Jesus goes on and says to them, because they didn't have it whatsoever. Jesus goes on and says to them in verse 14 and 15, Jesus says plainly to them, guess what? Lazarus is dead. But notice what he says in verse 15. He says, but I am glad for whose sake? I am glad for your sake. Speaking of the disciples, those who were around him, he said, I am glad for your sake that I was not there for what reason? That you may believe. I want you to see something right here. Those circumstances that are around you are dead. What do I mean by that? They really are impossible. Some of them really are impossible. But guess what? God says, just because there's perhaps a delay, I'm glad for that. For what reason? For your sake. Because something's going to take place in your life. And as a result, there's going to be a greater faith that's going to rise inside of you. Because guess what? Your belief in me is going to go to new heights and it's going to go to new depths. What we think is a letdown, God says, is a setup for your faith to increase, for you to begin to believe in a greater way. Because when God moves in one circumstance, guess what? The next time a problem comes, you're reminded of what he did before. And now you believe like you've never believed before. Because if he did it before, he can do it again. Are you with me in the house today? So he says, I am glad for your sake. Now you can kind of look at that and say, well, that's strange. Jesus is glad when he sees the needs not being met in the way we think they should be met. If it's for his glory, yes. If it's for us to grow, yes. 
Let me throw this out there to you. You know the times we think we're being punished and denied. You know those times that you think that God hasn't come through for you when you prayed and you did everything right, but God didn't come through. And every one of us has been there. And if you haven't, you better start taking notes because you're going to be there real soon. Because there's every one of us have found ourselves in this particular place. But God is using those moments for your sake. To build you, to shape you, to develop your life. So that you and I will believe. Look what James 1 verse 2 says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you have a testing of your faith. Why? Because knowing that that test. Come on, say with me. That test. That unanswered prayer, that thing I've been believing for, that that test of my faith is what? Producing something inside of me. The Bible says here it's producing patience. A better translation of that word would be endurance. There's an endurance, a perseverance that what? The tests, the trials, the delays are producing in every one of our lives. It's a stamina. That has been built inside of us. Because the tests, listen, are not a period, the end of the story, but only a comma or a pause before great things. They will produce great rewards in your life and in others around you. Look at this statement. You've got to get this statement. Never put a comma where God puts a period And never put a period where God puts a comma. Come on, it's not the end like we think and we place a period there and say it's over. Come on, it's a comma that God has placed there. Meaning what? There's maybe a pause, but it's not the end of the sentence. It's not the end of the story. I've used this illustration before, but someone saw a butterfly that was trying to break out of the cocoon. And they saw the struggle that it was having and they thought, well, let me help. And they broke the cocoon very gently, thinking they were rescuing the butterfly. And they watched as this beautiful butterfly fell to the ground and tried to flap its wings, but it couldn't. It couldn't do anything. And it laid there helplessly and eventually died. One thing they discovered was this. It was the struggle to break free that developed the muscles that would cause the wings to move and the wings which would allow the butterfly to fly. Come on, without the struggle, there's no fight. Flight, rather. Without the struggle, there's not going to be. Why count it all joy when things don't go exactly to plan and to your purpose? Why? Because God is using them to develop strength in you that when the storms get tough and the times get rough and the nights get dark, guess what? You'll have a stamina that keeps praying through and keeps believing God. I need you to see this today. Yes, God can do things immediately. The Bible is full of examples where immediately the man jumped up and he walked and did that. God can do things immediately in scriptures and there's testimonies that we have in our lives. But sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it takes longer. Yet, Everything he does is perfect or is perfecting with great purpose and design. Come on, everything he does is for the best of your life, for the development and the building of your life. Come on, back to the story. Say with me, back to the story. Back to the story. So here we are, John 11, verse 17 through 27. 
So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Say with me, four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God shall give to you. Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus is four days too late. He's not just one, he's not just two, he's not just three. He's four days. He's really late in this circumstance and situation. And let's be honest, it's tough at times when he's late. But I want us to read Martha's words again that she spoke in verse 21 and verse 22. Martha says these words. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. At the first glance, you could read that and say, she's not going to be really happy about what's happened. She wasn't just saying in a calm way, if you would have been here. I'm I'm, I'm thinking she's pretty upset and aggravated. If you would have been here. (laughs) Come on, don't get all holy on me because you know how you would have been. Some of you wouldn't even have wanted to go and talk to him because he let you down so bad. You can see the anguish, I'm sure, at first. If you would have only been here, if you would have only been here, she knows that Jesus could have stopped this from taking place. But I want you to see something else today, and that is this. What you and I have just read is perhaps one of the most amazing statements of faith in all of Scripture because of one little word. Now, English wasn't my strongest point. I just speak it better than you, but I don't know it better than you. But one thing I do know is this. You don't start a sentence with a conjunction. And what we see here in this is a little conjunction changes it all. In the middle of her statement is a little but. A little but. What do I mean? Her sentence could have easily ended. Could you put that scripture back up, Tammy, the screen before? Look at this. Martha could have easily said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Period. End of story. But. Notice how that but changes it right there. But. It could have been the end because he is dead. It's four days too late. But notice that but, but, but. Martha doesn't end her sentence there. But what? She is still holding on to hope. She's still got that foolish face that's going to keep believing. And I love what she says next. But even now. I don't know if you highlight stuff in your Bible or if you write on your Bible. But if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to circle, to highlight, to underline that even now. Because what a statement of faith. She says, my brother wouldn't have died if you were here. I'm upset about that. I'm mad about that. But even now, there's faith that's rising inside of her heart. Come on, that even now, 
When it more than appears that it's over, when it's done and dusted, the funeral is over, he's in the tomb. He's already stinking. That's what the Bible says. But I want to give hope to someone in here today that even when it seems like God is four days too late, it's still too soon to give up. Come on, even when it appears that all is done and dusted and over, it's still too early, too soon to give up. Even though it may appear your dreams are dead and buried, it's too soon to put a period where God has placed a comma. Now, I love how Mark Batterson presents this. He, he talks about in the circle maker, the statement of her faith as in two degrees of faith. He looks at her statement in two degrees. The first degree is the first degree. It's the preventative faith. What does she say? If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She believed that Jesus could have prevented him from dying. Everyone with me on that? And that's like the prayers that we pray, that God would help Bad things to stop happening to us. That we would pray that God would give us travel and mercies when we go, that we would be safe. That's a preventative faith. Everyone with me with that? We would pray every day for our families, for our finances, for our children, that God, you would put your hedge of protection all around them. Preventative faith, that God, you would stop the onslaught of the enemy before it takes place. And they're very important prayers and prayers that you and I need to pray. But there's another dimension of prayer. There's another dimension of faith. It's the second degree of faith and it's called the what? It's the resurrection faith. It's the dimension that believes that God can undo what already has been done. Are you with me in the house? It's faith that refuses to let go of the promise that God has given. Even though it looks like nothing is happening, I'm going to keep holding on. Come on, I'm going to bring to life that which may appear to be dead. It's faith that believes that God can reverse the irreversible. It's faith that trusts it's not over until God says it's over. But even now, I know, she said, whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. What faith? Come on, say with me, what faith? Was she mad at all? I believe she had every right to be, don't you? Come on, help me preach today. I believe she had every right to be mad. If Jesus would have been there, her brother wouldn't have died. She's mad. She's upset. I'm your friend. Come on. If you're treating your friends like that, what are you doing with other people? I'm mad. I'm upset. Was she frustrated? I would say that was an understatement. Was she disappointed? I would say probably crushed would be a better term. Was she bitter? I bet she was on the road to bitterness. Because she was upset and that will grow into bitterness if we don't deal with it. But listen to this. But when she sees Jesus, she chose to remove all of those hindrances from her heart and to trust him again. I'm telling you right now, those hindrances all around you want to envelop you. They want to engulf you. They want to just be so a part of you that you will doubt God. But she chooses to say, I can't figure it all out. But I'm going to place my focus on you. And I want to tell you something. She is human. Just because she says, even now, God, whatever you ask, you can do. You can read in verse 39 that Jesus says, okay, can you move the stone? She was the first one to say, no, you can't do that. He stinks by now. It's over. 
And you can look and say, hold on a second, but isn't that still the struggle that you and I have? One moment we say, God, I believe, but the next, God, help my unbelief. We talked about that, didn't we, last week? Because we're human. Notice this, circumstances forever want to steal our focus, to take our attention off Jesus. Be honest today. Have you ever felt that God was late? Come on, have you ever felt, maybe you're in that place right now, that he was a no-show to the party. That just when you knew he would, he wouldn't. That he disappointed you and you did everything right, but yet no answer came. Can you say with me, guard your heart? Look what it says again. May I remind you, Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary in our prayers and doing what we know is right. For guess what? In due season, we're going to reap. If we don't lose heart, we've got to protect our heart. We've got to keep our heart focused on God. We've got to live unoffended. And I want to quickly show you what I mean. And then I'm going to bring this to an end this morning. Are you still with me today? Anyone remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was a forerunner for Christ. He was the one that was sent to prepare the way. He baptized Jesus. He spoke the the doctrine of repentance, repent and be saved. And he baptized people. He led the way for Christ. He, He baptized Christ. John has been imprisoned and he's put there and there's a death sentence on his head. And John sends some of his disciples to Jesus and he asks, Are you the one or should we look for another? At the time John asks the questions and sends his disciples to Jesus, Jesus is in the midst of a service. Miracles are happening left and right. People are being set free. Bondage is broken. Miraculous things and supernatural is taking place. It's everywhere. The disciples of John walk into a revival service. And it so amazes me that John could have looked when he hears all of that. And he could have easily began to feel sad. He could have easily got upset. Why? Because he was missing it all. He was one of the greatest followers that Jesus ever had. He could have felt so bad. I should have been there with him. I should have been the one helping him. He's my cousin. I should have been there. And perhaps he could have been saying, with all these miracles taking place, why couldn't Jesus do a miracle and get me out of prison? But look what Jesus tells the disciples of John to report back to him in Luke 7, verse 22 and 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and tell John all the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. But notice what verse 23 says. And if you don't get anything else today, hear this, please. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus says, blessed is he who is not caused to stumble, is what that means, because of me. I wonder if you've ever perhaps felt like John, that it seems like Jesus is answering everyone else's prayers, but yours are forgotten. I know this, sometimes you've got to rejoice in someone else's miracle on the way to your miracle. Have you ever felt that he is faithful to everyone else's promise, but yours still lay empty, dormant, unanswered, unchanged? But you must see again the promise. You've got to see the promise here again. You've got to see the promise of Jesus. You've got to see what he says to John because that promise is for every one of us too. Jesus promises what? That we will be blessed if what? We are not offended. And blessed is he who is not 
offended. If you and I do not allow the disappointments, the frustrations, etc., etc., to get into our hearts, if we choose to live life unoffended, live life unoffended, even though he's four days too late, don't allow your miracle to be taken from you. Did you see that? There's a promise that God says, if you don't get offended, there's blessing that's going to come. John could have easily in that moment got offended. We can easily in our moments get offended. But God said, blessed are those who live life unoffended. Just because my prayer hasn't been answered in the way I think it should be answered, don't be offended because offense will cause you to quit praying. And oh, by the way, In the rest of the story, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible says that many believed. And I'm telling you, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, their lives would never be the same again. Those disciples that accompanied Jesus, their life would never be the same. But what happened? Greater glory was accomplished because of the delay. Greater glory was accomplished because of the delay. If Jesus would have gone there and healed a man sick in his bed, maybe three people would have known he was even sick. But the whole town had showed up because there was a man dead in a tomb. What I'm telling you right now is if you will keep trusting and you will keep believing God, a greater thing is going to take place than that which you've even prayed for. That God is going to get greater glory than that which you have even prayed and for believed for in your life. The Bible is full of examples and stories where people had to prevail, where people had to keep pushing through and keep believing God. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had to first go through a fiery furnace before God appeared to them. Come on, they had to prevail through. Daniel had to go into a lion's den before God shut the mouths. David had to run at a giant before God gave him into his hands. Come on, you've got to prevail through pushed through. And every time God answered, it was because they refused to be denied. The reason many of us give up too soon is because we have filled, we feel like we have failed if God doesn't answer our prayer. But I want to tell you today, that isn't a failure. The only way you can fail is if you stop praying. Because prayer is a no-lose proposition. He may be four days too late, comma, it doesn't mean it's over yet. He may not have answered, comma, keep trusting, live life unoffended. If you receive that today, would you stand to your feet with me in the house? Precious Jesus, precious Jesus, I want to encourage every one of you, I really want to encourage every one of you. And what we've been talking about and what we've been dealing with, I want to encourage you. Even when you've prayed and it feels like your prayers are unanswered, don't put a comma where God puts a period and don't put a period where God puts a comma. Pray through. Grab a hold of the promises of God. Grab a hold of that promise that his word gives to every one of us and believe that that promise is yours. Don't be denied. Don't be denied. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. 
but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.